Hi, this is Paula and I pray and this is a podcast that I want to do and continue actually that I started on uh, being a witness and sharing your testimony. So I want you for 2019 to think about what what is your testimony? How how do you share Jesus with others who, who don't know Christ? How? How are you going to do this? Well, I'd like you to write down, you know, your testimony and also your highest prayers today, your highest hopes uh, and dreams, and then all the answers to your prayers for 2019. Keep a journal somewhere. Log it in somewhere. My first question for you on Paula Praise is, and I am going to pray for you right now. Father, before we even ask the question, we want to pray for every single listener right now. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. I want to pray for your eyes to be under understanding, to be enlightened, your eyes to be opened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance and the saints, the set-apart ones, that you might know him, Jesus Christ, and the power of his resurrection. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. It's so exciting to talk to you guys again. So, first question, how many people out there have... Um, been a witness for Christ, and how many people have you actually led to Jesus Christ? Consider Jesus's words. In John 21, 20, uh, Peter inquired there about John. Did you know Peter, our guy Peter, he's, he's kind of bold, he's kind of brash, he's kind of outspoken, and Peter's the guy who always seems to be out in front in every way, he always is is asking a question, or he's always, um, you know, someone who maybe not he's maybe not always right, but he's he's out in front. Okay, and so we want to catch up with Peter, and we want to find out after Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared to his uh, followers, what were some of the things that happened? You just got to know. We just got to know what happened. So as today, we're looking at today and all the controversies that are going on and the prayers that are going up for our country, for our nation, and, um, you know, how serious this time is, of course, that we live in. I, I was curious to know what happened with the early uh, disciples after Jesus rose from the dead. So in this um, John chapter 21 verse I'm looking at, it, it was Jesus had spoken with Peter and it was kind of a hard time for him because he he's alive he's walking on the beach with them Peter sees Jesus and Jesus says do you love me Peter and he asked Peter this three times do you love me again and then again do you love me third time Simon he calls him Simon son of John do you love me with he's saying with a deep personal affection for me as a close friend as for a close friend are you a friend of Jesus's? Are you a friend of God's? Well, Peter was so grieved that Jesus asked him that, and he responded, and he said, Well, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. And Jesus said, Well, then feed my sheep. Do you know a true a follower of Jesus loves Jesus and follows him? And then Jesus, you know, gave a kind of a prophecy, a cryptic prophecy that was 
not really that great. <laughs> I mean, if I were Peter, I'd like want to know, what does this mean? But, but everything Jesus said is true, and everything Jesus said did come to pass. He said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and walked wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and arms, and someone else will dress you and carry you where you do not wish to go. And verse 19, now he said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Walk, he's saying, walk the same path of life that I have walked. Follow me, walk with, come on, Peter. And so that probably spurred Peter on then to ask Jesus in verse 20 in John 21. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them the one who also had leaned back on his chest at the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? That would be John. So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? You know, um, you know, like what's in his future? And Jesus said to him, if I want him to stay alive until I come again, what is that to you? You follow me. See, when your eyes are on Jesus, you follow him. You're not worried about the gossip. What about this ministry? Or what about, is this guy a prophet? Is she, who's this? And you're not, you're not concerned about that. And all the voices that are going on right now, all over the you know, media, social media, all over mass media, this is voices and everybody has something to say. Is this the end? Is this the end times? Is this guy a true prophet? Is she a true prophetess? So this word then went out, just like it would go out among us, and it got misinterpreted because it said the word went out among the brothers that this disciple John was not going to die. That Jesus did not say that he was not going to die, but only if I want him to stay alive until I come again. What is that to you? And I say that, what is that to you? Who are you following? If you want to be a witness for Christ, you follow Jesus. You follow Jesus because we know that we know that uh, that actually Peter was martyred in Rome by Emperor Nero, probably somewhere around AD sixty seven. He was crucified upside down at his own request, and we also know that John um, lived to about ninety four and died about AD one hundred. John the Apostle, the author of this book, all right? So the next thing I wanted to point out to you about being a witness is in Acts 1, um, how are you going to be a witness then for Christ? Well, Jesus had to prove, you know, he was alive, and it says he proved with infallible proofs and demonstration. He's alive. He spent 40 days with his friends. But what happened after that? Well, in Acts 1, verse 4, it says, While being together and eating with them, this is after he had risen from the dead, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, of which he said, You have heard me speak. Verse 5, you need to know this. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered with the Holy Spirit, not long from now. So when they had come together, 
They kept asking him in verse 6 repeatedly, it says. I'm reading a translation, the Amplified translation. It says they kept asking him over and over again. So now what were they asking Jesus? Just like people have questions. When are you returning, Jesus? What is the time? What is the date? when, When will the rapture occur? It's the same way they were. You know, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? Because they know what the prophetic word, the prophets had said, that Israel would be restored. And what was Jesus' response? Yeah, let's talk about that. What's the buzz? What's happening? You know, I don't know. What's the gossip? Let's listen in on that. Let's get all caught up on that. Isn't that what the Father would want you to do? No. He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here we go again. Pay attention. Verse 8 in Acts 1. But you will receive power. That's like dunamis. That's like firepower and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. See, what is Jesus all about? Bringing us to Christ, lost sinners to Christ. It's not about, well, what's going on right now in the news? What's happening with this? What's happening with the president? Sure, those things are important. We're supposed to know the season because Jesus said the signs of the times. We'll know the season We are living in the time of the end, if you don't know that. The Bible tells us we are, the Word of God. But should you be up with that every day? Or should you be up about witnessing for Him? Receiving the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness for Christ? What should you be doing? Well, we know what the Word of God tells us. In John chapter 14, Jesus explained that they needed the Holy Spirit. You know, in John chapter 14, they, you know, the disciples, how many times did Jesus tell them that he was going to die? He was going to go up to Jerusalem and they were going to kill him and crucify him. How many times did he say he was going to be betrayed? He had spoken to them. He had told them, his friends, his disciples. He predicted his death. He told them. But he also was comforting them and telling them in John chapter 14, um, he was telling them that um, the Father was going to send them the Holy Spirit. After he departed, the Holy Spirit, when he returned, he was going to come. When he went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit was going to come. He said in verse John 14, verse 16, he said, And I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper. That word helper It means uh, advocate, comforter, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, someone who will stand by you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth the world can't receive. He said, I will not, in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Well, Jesus hasn't left us. He sent the Holy Spirit, but you have to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness. I will not leave you helpless, comfortless, bereaved. I'll come back to you. And then he said in 21, verse 21, the one who really loves me will keep my commandments and will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. And I will make myself real. You know that word, I will make myself real? That means he's going to appear through the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal himself. 
if you abide in Jesus and his words and you really love him, you will keep his word and his teachings. And you know, the Bible says that the Father will love you and he will, they will come. It says, Jesus actually said, we, plural, we will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. If you live in me and in my words, the one who does not really love Jesus does not keep his word. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's your helper whom the Father will send to represent Jesus and act on Jesus' behalf. In verse 26, he will be the teacher of the church, teach you all things, the word of God. He will reveal to you what's going to happen in the future. He'll help you to remember all that Jesus told you. The Holy Spirit's role, he's a person. He's come, all right? Jesus is comforting us. If we're his disciples and his friends, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. You don't have to go out and witness alone. (laughs) Don't be cowardly. Don't be unbelieving. Have confidence. Have faith in God. Receive the the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive him now. Jesus promised them, in my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions. I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So he's not saying, I'm leaving. I'm never going to see you again. I'm coming back to you. The Father's promise. The Holy Spirit was the Father's promise. Listen, we can't do anything without the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We're hopeless and helpless without him. But how many times, you know, Thomas, he said, when Jesus said he was going away, Thomas said, we, we don't know where you're going. Neither how, how do we know the way? And Jesus said, Thomas, how long have I been with you? And Jesus said, I am, I am the way, Thomas. I am the way to God. I am the real truth. I am the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That should be your number one statement to people when you go out to witness. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way back to God. Use Bible language. <laughs> Please do. Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. Several references, I mean, you know, tell us in the synoptic gospels, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but they couldn't comprehend it. They were so overwhelmed and struck with sadness over this. Jesus predicts his death. And he has his disciples, his friends there, and he explains to them in Matthew 16. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer many things by the chief priest and the, the, the lawyers, but I must be killed and on the third day rise from the, from the dead. You know, at that point, Peter, our guy Peter again, he took Jesus aside. You know, that would be like you saying, I don't believe because their hearts were so hardened and laden down with weighted down with fear and and he took Jesus aside and he rebuked Jesus. Did you know he rebuked him? But you know what Jesus said to Peter, but he wasn't speaking to Peter. He was speaking to the devil. He said, "Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me and you don't have the mind, the concerns of God. It's merely human with you." Jesus told them, if you want to be my follower, my disciple, my friend, you must deny, give up yourself to me. Take up your cross and forfeit your life. Give it to me. But he said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? How precious is the soul? The Lord, 
He wants us to be a witness for him because human life, yes, is for how long? What, 70, 80, maybe you get a 90, 100 years, whatever. But your eternal life, where are you going? Be a witness for Christ. If you have received Jesus, you're to tell others about him and your testimony. How did the Lord save you? In Matthew 17, Jesus tells his disciples, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. They will kill him, and on the third day, he'll be raised to life. And his disciples were so grieved. They were so grieved by this. In Matthew 20, he said, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and turn him over to the Gentiles who will mock and flog and crucify him. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. In John 15, he said, you are, you are no longer my servants. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Over in Mark 8, he talks about the same thing. In Luke 9, he says the same thing to them. We have several gospel accounts. We are to walk by faith and live by faith. We have to have faith in God when we witness for him. You know, the father of faith is Abraham. Romans 3, he's called the father of faith. Why? Because Abraham believed God and he was justified. He was made righteous by his faith apart from his works. You know, Abraham and Sarai, you know what's interesting about those two? God came to Abraham and he said, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, out of your seed. And that seed looked impossible. These two, they were so old that they were going to have a child, you know. And God promised him a son through his seed and that the entire world would be blessed. In Genesis chapter 12, God made a covenant with Abram and his seed. We are the seed of Abraham if we believe God and have faith. See it? We are a friend of God like Abraham when we believe God and have faith in God. Well, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they, they created an Ishmael. You know that, don't you? I hope you know that. They made a mess of things, you know, just like you and I would. <laughs> we, we would do the same thing. Let's help God out. Let's see, what can we do? Yeah. So God was so friends with Abraham. Is he a friend with you? God was going to destroy these wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, shall I hide this from my friend Abraham, this thing I'm going to do? And, and he didn't. And Abraham, you know, the thing about Abraham that I love is that he was an intercessor. You know, Abraham interceded. And the reason he interceded, just like you, you need to be a witness to your family because Abraham's uh, nephew, Lot, was uh, captured, taken captive. And uh, Abraham had to go rescue him and get him out. But when God told him he was going to destroy the cities, well, Abraham, you know, he, you know, he, he um, interceded for his nephew. He stood in the gap, you know, and he said, you know, I, I, I want to know, would, would you destroy it? You know, if there's like 10 people, he got all the way down to, I think, five. I don't remember how many now, but he got down. Will you destroy it? Because his nephew was in there. God said, no, I won't. You see? But what happened was he gave him the promise of the son, but then they got into trouble because they, they, um, 
you know, his wife didn't have any children, so they had this maid named Hagar, the Egyptian maid, and they decided, well, I'll give Abraham this gift, a servant, and we'll have children by her, which was a crazy thing to do. But anyway, that's what they did. Just like you're not perfect, <laughs> you can just kind of figure that one out. And so there was going to be, um, you know, there's going to be a terrible, terrible uh, destruction here. And so Abraham went to the to God and he said um, in Genesis chapter 18, um, he said, um, you know, he starts out with, he approaches God, just like we approach God with humility. But he said, suppose there are 50 righteous people in that city. Will you kill it, sweep it away, and would you spare it for 50? And he said, far be it from you to do such a thing, to strike the righteous with the wicked. Far be it from you. This is how Abram talked to, to God. So the Lord said, if I find in the city of Sodom 50 righteous, I will spare it. And he said, well, you know, who am I, Abraham said, but dust and ashes, and I'm speaking to you, Lord. And he said, um, if five of the 50 righteous are lacking, will you destroy the entire city for a lack of five? If I find at least 45 righteous there, I will not destroy it. And Abraham was very bold, and he spoke to God again. He said, is there are 40, will you destroy it? So he gets them down to, oh, he says, Lord, don't be angry with me. Suppose there are 30. And the Lord said, I will not do it if I find 30. And he said, okay. What about 20? The Lord said, I will not destroy it for 20. And this the final thing he said, suppose there are 10. So he got it down to 10, not 5, 10. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. And as soon as he finished speaking, the Lord departed. So there was this, this relationship, friend of God. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of intercession. You know, when we pray, it's not like, God, I'm standing here. I'm not worthy. Oh, Lord, wherever you are, out in the blue, I don't know, somewhere far away. As if, you know, it's like a, a detached relation. Just talk straight to God. Talk straight up with him, okay? Abraham is my friend. There's a relationship there. When you have Jesus in your heart, you have an open door. Heavens are open. It says, come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. You know, deep. There's the, in Psalm 42, 7, it says, deep calls to deep. I, I really believe that deep calls to deep. Listen. When, when the Lord fills you with the Holy Spirit, you get a heavenly language. That's speaking with other tongues. The Holy Spirit is not tongues, please. The whole, I hope you know this. Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Godhead, the triune God, triunity, one God in three personalities. Deep calls to deep. Praying in the Spirit is not up for debate. We're not up for disputing this, Okay. Every believer in every race and every camp and every political persuasion must take this seriously. Jude one twenty, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Paul talks about praying in the Spirit is praying in your heavenly language. On the day of Pentecost, the um, Disciples waited for the Father's promise of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, like Jesus commanded them to wait. And the Holy Spirit came 
And I can read that account. It's incredible. You need to read it for yourselves. Acts chapter 2. Don't just take it. Take my word for it. Read it. The day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. You know, they were all together waiting in one accord. You know, they had one mind and one heart and one purpose, and they were devoted to the Lord, all of them. That's why things happen. See, the power of God will come. People are crying out, you know, for, we want to see, you know, revival. We want to see a second great awakening or a third great awakening. Some call it a third great awakening. But you know what? We're going to see it when we're in one accord, okay? And that day on the day of Pentecost, suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing violent wind. That's like a tsunami. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which are being distributed among them, and they rested on each one of them as each person received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Would you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit? It says they were all filled, diffused their whole being with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak. All right? At that time, this is very important because there were many different Jews living in Jerusalem and they were all there from every nation under heaven and they heard them. They heard them and they were like, what's going on here? What's going on here? What is this? And it said he heard them speaking uh, to God, all right? And they were amazed, and some were perplexed, and some said, what, what could this mean? But others were just laughing and joking and ridiculing them, saying, oh, they're full of sweet wine and they're drunk. Yeah, they were drunk all right. They were drunk on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they were drunk with the Holy Spirit and power. And Peter rebuked them and told them in his sermon, He quoted the prophet Joel. He said, it shall be in the last days. So that's the last days. Then, starting then, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see divinely prompted visions. And your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams. Even on my bond servants, both men and women, I will pour, I will in those days pour out my spirit. He quoted from the, from the book of Joel, what was going on. And he said, and I will do this. All right, in Joel 2, 28 through 32. So that's what happened. And now we know when the Holy Spirit came upon his disciples, who was the first thing that got up to, who was the first one that got up to speak? It was Peter. Remember Peter who rebuked Jesus, Peter who denied Jesus, Peter who cursed Jesus. Did you know that? I don't even know this man. I said he... You know, he cursed him. And then later, he repented, but he went back to his fishing business, and then Jesus met him. So come on over here, Peter. Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me? See, that's what Jesus is saying to you and to me. Do you love me? Come and be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can be a witness. You know, there are many spirits that have gone out into the world. There's the Holy Spirit But there's also the human spirit. There's unclean, unholy, defiled, demonic spirits. If you open your eye, you know how demon spirits come into you and are unclean? Through your eyes and through your ears. What you hear and what you see. That's how they get in. If you entertain them, they will control your mind. 
They work overtime to distract you, to detour you, to make you disinterested in the things of God, praying in the spirit. They will defeat you though. They seek to control your prayer time. They seek to control a believer so they're not going to be a witness. They won't witness. They interfere with a believer's life and they resist your prayers. They'll fight you. Demons seek to control you and Jesus defeated the devil (laughs) for us. He went to the cross, went to the cross and shed his blood for us so we could be free from his power. Let it be known, he said to his disciples that night, that the devil, he called him Satan, the evil genius, the God of this world has been judged. All right? Spirits can come, uh, try to overcome you, but you have the power in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus right now. You can resist the devil. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore unto God. So just right now, submit yourself to God, repent, and turn back to God. Then you have the power to resist the devil, and then he will flee from you and your prayer life. What is praying in the Spirit? You, you pray. You're submitted and controlled by the Holy Spirit to such a point that you're, you're communing deeply with the Father, deep calls to deep, heart to heart, spirit to spirit, transcending your mind, You communicate on a level through other languages, the language of heaven, the tongues of men and angels. You triumph over distractions then. You triumph over, stop being so unsettled and stop resisting the Holy Spirit. You triumph over delays. You triumph over defeat. You triumph over deception of demon spirits who seek to sabotage your life. You know, one element that's, a, that's important, one ingredient, I should say, is you have to be thirsty for God. You have to be hungry for God, the things of God. Psalm 42 says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Why are you downcast? Why are you depressed? Why are you sad? Who are you listening to? What are you looking upon? You see? What are you caught up into? The times? The season? What? Are you witnessing? Are you being being filled with the Holy Spirit continually? And then are you going out and witnessing for Christ? No. No, because you're caught up. Just like they were caught up. When are you going to restore Israel? Uh, you know, you follow me, Jesus said. Well, what about this guy? What about this prophet? What about that person? You follow me. Praying in the Spirit is fervently praying. Okay, you know, in one accord meant they were in agreement. You're not going to get all these people, you know, all these different denominations. That's why I am a believer in Jesus Christ. All right. You know, but how are you going to get ready to come in one accord when you all get baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you go out and are witnessing for Christ. Watch how God changes things. We can't live in one accord unless we're in the spirit, walking in the spirit. We're not willing participants. Praying, yes, with your understanding, Paul said. Praying with words that we don't understand. Opening our heart to the Spirit of God. Firepower, that's what we need. In James 4, it says, he says, don't pray out in the flesh. Don't pray in the flesh. No, no. Don't pray in the flesh, beloved. If you're a friend of this world, you're an enemy, James says, of God. 
Jesus, that I've called you, my friends. All the things that I have heard from my Father, I've made them known to you. It is given to you, little ones. The ones who are childlike. What was that? Childlike. Lowly, humble, trusting, and forgiving. It's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We have not received the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things of God. God wants us to know what's going to happen in the future, but he doesn't want us to forget the most important reason why we're here is to be a witness, to tell others about him. See? I, I just read some statistics. It's, it's really sad in these churches that people do not know the word of God, number one. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Number two, how sad. They're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, John, baptize in water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, actually. Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit and fire. If you're a born-again Christian, you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was promised. He said, it's, it's, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come, but I will send him to you. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, Jesus, he told us what the Holy Spirit will do. In verse 8 of John chapter 16, he will convict the world about the guilt, the sin, and need for a Savior and about righteousness, and about judgment, and about sin. The sin of rejecting Jesus, because they don't believe his message. See, the Holy Spirit works in you. you well, I got to preach. I got to think up something to tell people. No, you don't. You got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in fire, and let the Holy Spirit use you. Humble yourself. Go before God, and say, God, use me. Use me. Holy Spirit, come right now. You are the one who convicts them about the sin, but they, but God needs a vessel of honor to work through. He needs someone like you in your circle of influence. And the Holy Spirit comes. You can read it for yourselves in John chapter 16. He convinced them about righteousness. Righteousness means personal godly character because I'm going to my Father and you will no longer see me about judgment. What is the judgment that the Holy Spirit... Sometimes I think people don't read their Bibles. Well, the judgment is, is you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, that's judgment. Yeah, if you reject Jesus, yeah. Yeah, if you reject him. But the judgment, the certainty is that the ruler of this world has been judged and condemned Wow, who's preached that lately? You've been preaching that? You've been witnessing that? The devil's been judged and condemned. Did you know that? He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he's called the spirit of truth. Don't you love that? Verse 13. There's only one truth. There's not like several truths. Well, let's see. I have this philosophy. I have this ideology. I have this thought. I have this religion. Oh, okay. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all the truth, the full and complete truth. For he doesn't speak on his own initiative. He'll speak whatever he hears from the Father. The message regarding the Son. 
of God, Jesus Christ, and he'll disclose to you what is going to happen in the future. See, right there, the Holy Spirit will come and tell you. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives I to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus and disclose things to you. All things have been given to Jesus, and he gives them to his followers, his friends. See, he takes, the Holy Spirit takes everything that is Jesus's and reveals it to his friends, his disciples. See, revelation knowledge comes by the Holy Spirit, not through some man's wisdom, Okay, no, not through intellectualism. You're just so smart. You have such a high IQ. Yeah. I don't need the Holy Spirit because I'm smarter than, oh, okay. Mm. I don't think you're going to be witnessing much to anybody and getting them into the kingdom. Not at all. You need the Holy Spirit, dear one, and you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. You need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and look for the future glory of what God is going to do. Because there's, it's glorious what's happening for the true church, for the followers in Jesus, those who truly love him. It's glorious. It's glorious. Not so much for the world that's rejected Jesus. No, it's going to be a hard year for them. But for those who come, but they won't know if they haven't heard. See, how can they know unless they have someone share with them the witness of Christ? I pray right now for you that you will be strengthened and invigorated with all power according to his glorious might that you will endure every kind of thing this year and with patience and joy by the Holy Spirit in you that you'll give thanks to the Father. Part of your prayer life is giving thanks for answers to prayer. Jesus has qualified you to share in this glorious inheritance and to share him, Jesus Christ. For he has and rescued us. He has drawn us to himself out of the dominion of darkness, of the devil's kingdom. He's transferred you and me into the kingdom of his beloved son. We have redemption. We have been bought with the price of blood because of his sacrifice on the cross. We have forgiveness of our sins, and the debt was canceled. The penalty of sin has been canceled. All right? That's the message of the gospel. You can be forgiven of all your sins. Jesus is the exact image, the exact image of the unseen God. He is the visible representation of the invisible God. He was the firstborn, preeminent one of all creation, the firstborn from the dead. For by him all things were created. John said in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became a human being and dwelt among us. Great news. Jesus existed before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the force of the universe. He is the head of the body. Okay, he's the life source for us, okay? He's the head of his body. He calls his body the church. Get it. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Okay? He stands supreme. He is preeminent in everything. You know it, please, Father God. 
that all the fullness of deity, the sum total of his essence, all his power, all his perfection, all his attributes to dwell in his one and only son. Notice I said one and only son. There's only one preeminently in him. And so he intervened. He came in the person of his one to reconcile us back to himself to make peace with us through the blood of his cross. So we were one time sinners, we were rebels, we were estranged, we were aliens, we were hostile. The Bible says we were we were evil. <laughs> and so we were, we were evil, we were sinners. Sinner man. I like to say that. I don't know why. My friend was Mennonite and she used to she used to she got out of the Mennonite church, but they used to say Sinner man, I don't know why. I just think that Pennsylvania Dutch thing is kind of cool. But anyway, that was a little side note. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Christ has reconciled us to Himself through His death, so we could be holy and blameless. God will do this for anyone who believes God has faith in Jesus Christ. Call on the name of the Lord, and you shall be saved. We rejoice then in the Lord. So that's the gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead for our justification. That's your witness. Jesus saved you. He saved me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit right now. Say, Father, if you haven't prayed to receive Jesus, ask him to come in right now and forgive you of your sins. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died. Father, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. You died, Jesus, on that cross, shed your blood for me that I might receive eternal life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and forgive me of my sins. I will love you, and I will be a witness for you, Lord. Lord Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit and fire. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. I receive my heavenly language, a speak in my prayer language, in new tongues, the language of heaven, praying in the spirit, deep calls the deep. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you for this gift of the Holy Spirit. Abba, thank you, Lord. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what you need to do. I just gave you a sample prayer. I pray for every single person right now that you would obey God and share the the, um, Christ, the Messiah who rescued you and drew him to himself out of darkness. The devil has been judged. All right? If you're a born-again believer, you have a right to receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of God. Amen? That is for you. I just gave you chapter and verse on that, and you can go back and study it for yourselves. So I'm going to close this message right now, and I want you to have absolute trust, absolute confidence in what you prayed, absolute power, absolute wisdom, and absolute goodness in the Lord Jesus Christ, and joy to endure everything that you have to endure, patience with perseverance, okay? giving thanks to the Father again who qualified you and made you and made me fit to share the gospel, to be a witness. He's the one, the Holy Spirit. We're trusting and relying on him in the name of Jesus, the the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, that that you may rise up right now in Jesus' name.
and I love you, and I bless you, and I send you forth and release you to be a witness this year for Jesus Christ. Amen.